Welcome Australia. It's that time again for another podcast from the Mate Team, where we try and get into your head with stuff that makes us sound smart. Sit back and relax. It's time for us to be mates. Hi Australia. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Let's Be Mate podcast. Uh, we've got Dom and Bosco here. Boys, how are you doing today? Good, Baz. Good, good, mate. Awesome. I think we've got a good show lined up today. Something uh, in people wouldn't find as um, exciting as other topics that we've done or that we're doing, but I think it's something very relevant um, to the current situation and dynamic that the world's in at the moment. Um, we've got David MacGyver. David is the CEO of WorkSafety.co. So he spends his life making sure people in the workplace and at home have the right setup to ensure they don't have any type of injuries when they're in the workspace and in the work environment. And uh, I think uh, a lot of the stuff that he's going to talk about today is going to be very new to a lot of us. And so uh, let's let's talk to David. David, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Let's Be Mates podcast. We're glad to have Hello, you on mates. board. <laughs> yes, we are all mates. Thanks for joining us and thanks for giving us your time. I know you're a very busy person and you do a, a very crucial job for us all, uh, Aussies. Um, it's and an interesting time in which we live, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think our business has seen a lot of change with this. I think people have considered, um, you know, internet service as an essential service. And I think what you do in your role is just as essential to, to, uh, to what we do as well. And I guess that leads into, to let, let, um, we'd love to, our viewers would love to hear about what your role is, uh, uh, the, the, the business that you work for and what you actually do. Well, I'm a CEO and founder of a consulting and training company called WorkSafety.co. Uh, I've actually been in the health and safety training consulting field for 30 odd years. Uh, in, uh, when we first started out, uh, health and safety, work health and safety and occupational health and safety is really about factories and manufacturing and fixed workplaces and so on. Uh, and the health and safety legislation is based on that kind of uh, model as well. So over the years, I've noticed the transition, not just in the, the nature of workplaces, but the nature of work itself. Uh, and in, in recent years, obviously, there's been a great increase in the number of uh, people, particularly in the knowledge and education sectors, uh, doing their work remotely. Now, most of the time that that means from their home uh, the studies indicated and this was up until the coronavirus thing came along uh, that uh, within the next few years up to 50 percent of people would be working full or at least part-time remotely and again most of the time from their homes now when i was looking at uh, health and safety issues and so on there's lots around there's lots of books and so on around on working from home but there was nothing on working from home safely. So being a safety consultant, I decided I'd write the book. So we, uh, I wrote the, uh, the Working From Home Safety Handbook and we released that last year, just before, or well, the end of last year, just before the uh, COVID-19 issue came along. So it's uh, quite amazing, the, uh, the timing, but uh, it, it's uh, highly relevant, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, David, obviously working from home, as you said, is a, a growing trend, particularly at the moment. So uh, talk talk to us a little bit about the right setup for a work from home professional in um, in based on your opinion and your um, field of work. Yeah, Ross, look, it's even uh, even more important now. I mean, a lot of the focus of the book pre-COVID uh, was uh, just on that, on uh, on getting the home works workplace set up uh, appropriately and so on. And there was a sort of a lot of uh, emphasis on the worker working from home, talking to their employer in order to uh, develop appropriate uh, flexible working arrangements and working from home agreements with the employer prepared to uh, help the home-based worker set up their workstation at home appropriately. And that's, that includes the chair and the desk and the IT connection, uh, all of these sorts of things that go into having a, an effective workstation. Now with COVID-19 and social isolation and quarantining and people not coming into work anymore, uh, there's not really been the opportunity for that consultation to take place between the employer and the employees working from home. Uh, however, as we're starting to come out of isolation, uh, I think there's no longer any excuse for that conversation not to now uh, be carried out, whereby the employer and the employee working from home uh, reach agreement on uh, a whole range of things, not just to do with the physical workstation set up and so on, but uh, hours of, uh, of work, uh, maintaining a sense of work-life balance uh, and a sense of my time, my space, uh, understanding uh, priorities, all these kinds of issues are associated with working effectively from home. Yeah, I, you know, on that point, um, my previous life before, mate, I worked at Microsoft and during my time there, we transitioned to, you know, rem um, hot seating and working from home and it really really became a, a sort of a trend and a focus at, at Microsoft. And and what happened was that, that we, you know, obviously no one had the same desk they had every day. So when they went into the office, Microsoft controlled the setup in the office. But due to the working from home, everybody did their own thing and were left to their their own way of doing it. And what happened is that Microsoft realised that they needed to also educate at the employees of their setup at home if they're allowing them to, to work from home as well. And so they really started focusing on ergonomics and um, obviously and doing training courses and making sure people are certified to understand the setup at home. And ha have you seen that coming from businesses as well? Oh, look, uh, well, uh, not, not enough in, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, it's almost been left to uh, the uh, employee working from home to sort it out for themselves. So we're seeing all kinds of strange arrangements like people sitting on collapsible chairs at the kitchen table uh, with awful postures and, and, and so on. So, uh, and, and a lot of time working uh, or using laptops instead of proper desk computers. Now, the thing we need to understand about a laptop is that if you get the keyboard at the best height, then the screen, the monitor screen is going to be far too low, which results in craning of the neck and head pointing downwards. And that'll lead to neck and shoulder pain and, and so on. Whereas if you put the uh, the monitor at the right height, the keyboard's going to be far too high. And uh, a lot of the time we're seeing people work from home 
uh, using laptops and putting themselves at some significant risk of uh, what we now call musculoskeletal disorders, MSDs, because they, they're not taking the time to get the, uh, the ergonomics of the workstation uh, correct. Yeah, you know, um, my local physio, Physio360 at uh, Gledswood Hills, give it a bit of a shout out to them. Um, uh, the lady there has, has been telling me for the last probably year that I've been seeing her that the cases from people uh, from the professional in, in office environment that work from home is just increasing and increasing. And she said, even though she loves the business, the, the problem is that obviously, you know, she, it's to your point, she's saying that no, no one's getting educated about how to set themselves up properly at home to make sure that they don't have any type of injuries or, or anything happening, especially around neck pain. Neck, the neck pain is the biggest issue that she's finding at the moment coming through her physio practice. And if you just think about having a laptop uh, on your uh, your desk, and I think uh, Dominic probably looking at a laptop or something now, yeah. and then look at the posture and so on. It's, uh, a head's leaning forward, uh, therefore the whole weight of the head is taken on the shoulder muscles and the neck muscles and so on. And uh, yeah, it's one of the the real challenges. I can mm. remember right, and look, I've got to say, a, a fair part of this working from home safety handbook is to do with general ergonomics and so on but when i was writing the book last year i took myself to the local library to get out of my office and uh i found a nice quiet area which was mainly inhabited by year 12 and uni students and so on and i was working away on my laptop and i'm thinking to myself this is crazy because this is exactly the kind of posture i'm advising against so i got some thick uh, reference books from the, the shelves, put my laptop on top of the, uh, the books so that the, I was able to look directly at the monitor screen. And then I invested in a Bluetooth keyboard and a Bluetooth mouse so that I could operate the, uh, the keyboard at roughly the right sort of height uh, along with the mouse and so on. And I was aware of the sort of uh, the giggles and the sniggers from some of the other um, millennials in the room looking at this silly old bloke uh, with these uh, workstation set up. However, within a few days, quite a few of the other kids were uh, doing the same thing because they're all on their laptops and they all started to realise that really uh, using laptops for uh, normal work situations is, uh, is problematic. So two screens, and th that's certainly one of the recommendations we have is that uh, most of the time someone working from home is probably going to be using a laptop, but they ought to invest in a, another uh, monitor, good quality monitor, uh, which could be either provided by their employer or at least uh, some arrangement came, uh, come to uh, maybe salary sacrificing or something like that. And that becomes the main monitor, which actually I'm looking at at the moment. My main monitor has the, uh, the camera on top uh, the laptop is off to the side. It's operating as a second screen. In fact, I've got a third screen. And uh, so I've got three screens in an array, all at the right sort of height, which allow me to uh, sort of uh, look at various functions and uh, things going on at the, uh, the one time. So look, if you wanted to talk about ergonomics, could I suggest that the, the starting point, in fact, is the chair. Uh, the chair really becomes the starting point. And some of the basic principles of a, a good chair uh, that you ought to be able to have your feet flat on the floor. Now you can use a footrest, 
to change posture and all the rest of it. But I'm talking about a default position here where you have your feet flat on the floor, which means that your lower legs are roughly vertical. Your upper legs are going to be roughly horizontal. We don't have to measure 90 degrees or anything like that, just something like that. And then your trunk and upper body is roughly at uh, right angles to your upper legs. Uh, now, if you're going to be able to have your feet flat on the floor and your upper legs basically horizontal, most of the time that means a seat has to come down a lot lower than we find with most clerical chairs and most kitchen chairs and dining room chairs and, and so on. So it's really important, first of all, that, <coughs> pardon me, the home-based worker uh, invest in getting a good chair. And you yeah. don't have to pay thousands of dollars for them. You can get decent uh, height-adjustable chairs from office furniture suppliers and office works and, and those sort of uh, places for a couple of hundred dollars. And that would be well worth the investment. Yeah. Now, if we get this seat right, and therefore we're sitting uh, roughly comfortably and so on, that probably means the work surface, the desk or something, needs to come down a bit too. Uh, otherwise, the person's going to be reaching up with their forearms. Um, I, uh, you know, in the office here, <coughs> when, when, from where we started to where we are now, you know, obviously you, you have a story where you start as a business and you have a certain setup, and then as we grow bigger and bigger and get more people in, you know, obviously we've we've developed the office and, you know, did different fit-outs and things like that. And and one of the, the biggest expenses on our expense sheet is the, the cost of seats, which no one can believe. But you can see the productivity increase when people have the right setup and are feeling good about how they're working, right? And I think that's a that's a big point to talk about is that, you know, we us at mate, we spend a lot of money on making sure that each the course and the staff particularly who are sitting in front of a computer and a phone most days, uh, sitting properly and, and with that comes with all a bunch of other things, you know, increased productivity, always feeling good and, you know, it, it even down to, um, you know, stand-up desks and things like that, which we've, we've, we've really definitely, um, we've uh, invested in with our staff as well. And so I think, I mean, all those things play a part, right? Look, if, if, you, if someone working from home is going to spend, what, between five and $10,000 uh, to get properly set up, and that ought to be the subject of conversation with their employer, uh, I'm talking about spending another 5 to 10%, or Great. within that, that money, 5 to 10% would be devoted to having a chair and a decent workstation. Now, you mentioned standing uh, desk and so on. The basic uh, principle is getting the chair right is that when you're sitting at your desk, for a start, when you look at your computer monitor, uh, your head naturally has a bit of a downwards tilt, you know, just five degrees or something like that. But when you look up, you should be able to see over the top of the uh, monitor to whatever's in the distance, hopefully some uh, something a bit further away so your eyes can uh, refocus. For that to work, you need to therefore be able to sit at your desk and have your forearms roughly horizontal onto the desk surface and onto the keyboard and the mouse. So a good rule of thumb is to try to keep your elbows by your side. And if you can keep your elbows by your side without either moving them out or moving them forward, then we've got the basis of a, a reasonably good um, ergonomic situation and, uh, and, and so on. Uh, 
so the the ideal reference height, if you like, for all of this is the fixed elbow height. So whatever, when you're sitting, whatever height your elbow is when you're relaxed with your arms by your side, that ought to be the height, roughly the height of the work surface. <coughs> now, uh, sitting is being called the new smoking, isn't it? <laughs> uh, where people spend far too much time sitting. So Absolutely. yes, uh, uh, sit-stand desks are becoming quite quite the rage. We're fortunate enough in our office, I've got two of them in our office, electrically operated. All I have to do is push a button and yep. uh, it's preset so it can go up to the right sort of height. Great. Uh, when you're going to operate from a standing position, you still need to have your work surface at your fixed elbow height. So basically your whole upper body has the same posture as it would if you were sitting down. But even if, if you're going to be standing up for part of the time, people imagine that if I have a standing desk, I have to stand up all day. But nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. We're probably talking about 10 minutes in an hour where people would actually stand up and the rest of the time they'd sit down. Yeah. So even if you're going to work from a standing workstation, you still need a good seat because you'll spend most of your time uh, sitting down. And you don't have to buy an electrically operated programmable height adjustable desk costing a couple of thousand dollars. Again, office suppliers have attachments or brackets that can go on the top of normal desks and can be used to raise and lower uh, to whatever's comfortable. You're obviously not a tax professional, but is a lot of this stuff tax deductible for people working at home? It is absolutely tax deductible, but keep your receipts. <laughs> now, it's interesting you should raise that because uh, I mean, the tax, the tax department actually, from the sound of it, is uh, becoming quite empathetic with people working from home. Uh, but the home worker still needs to be able to define their workplace. So a corner of the kitchen table while the meals are being prepared does not cut it. Uh, either it's an area of the house, maybe the living room, or preferably a, a room with a door which can be shut. Uh, which then becomes the designated office. And that therefore becomes a, uh, a taxable, uh, deductible taxation issue. So David, I guess you can't say, um, oh, I bought an 85 inch TV screen with, uh, uh, to, to, um, to work on and, and tax deductible that is, it has to be very relevant, right? <laughs> you could try, but uh, uh, I think the tax people are onto all that sort of stuff. <laughs> to the uh, listeners, we want to make it very clear, we're not giving out tax advice, all right? So go and seek independently your own tax advice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's no good imagining that uh, just because you're working from home on the living room table or the dining room table that you can now start claiming household expenses and uh, energy and light <laughs> and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But that's, that's not going to work. You need to seek advice from uh, your, your tax professional. And at the same time, could I suggest that if you are working, being paid to work from home, you just need to check the contents of your home and contents insurance policy to make sure it allows for uh, paid income derived from uh, working from home. Because uh, it's no good after uh, you have a break in and lose your computer or uh, something happens and you claim house and contents insurance for the insurance company then to turn around and say, oh, but you're working from home, but we're not covered. 
there's some um, ve- like very clear guidelines around the um, yeah, setup and ergonomics. But what about those other things that people, a lot of people don't think about, like you know, putting some boundaries around, switching off, getting up, walking, ar- walking around, drinking enough water? What What are your thoughts on that? Yep. Yeah, I think uh, uh, it's it's really important that the the home based worker is able to define their space, their time and allow for work-life balance and so on. We, we're hearing reports of uh, managers being a, a little bit nervous because they can't see people in the uh, central office, head down, tail up, working away. They get very nervous and suspicious that uh, they're not actually uh, working as hard as they should be. So they're ringing or emailing at all times of the day and night uh, and are expecting some sort of response. Now, if you work for Amazon, uh, then uh, that's exactly what you have to do. Uh, you're, you're available to Amazon 24-7. But in the normal workplace, particularly in Australia, there needs to be some boundaries that are agreed to. For example, if... And, and look, I, I have a, a little mnemonic, which I'm about to show you on the screen. I can send copies of that to you if, uh, if you wish. Great. Uh, called the Working From Home Safely. Uh, and uh, the first uh, letter there, S, uh, means simulate uh, your normal working routine. Uh, keep, keep to the same. So that if you would normally get up at 7 a.m. Uh, and go through the normal routine about having a shower and uh, get dressed and uh, have breakfast and, and so on, then you leave the house, you get on the bus or the train or get in the car or something like that, you might leave home at uh, eight, say, uh, uh, with a view to getting into your central office location by nine, whatever, and uh, you would clock on at 9 a.m. in the morning. Uh, just because you're getting up at 7 a.m. and you're going to be working from home doesn't mean people uh, now can start contacting you from 7 a.m. Uh, I, I think if your normal hours are nine to five, that pretty much should be what you try to uh, to stick to in order to claim uh, my time and, and so on. Now, that that's something that the employer and your work colleagues need to be aware of, but also family members. Just because mum or dad is down the hall in uh, a room, it needs to be understood that they are at work and by and large, therefore, not, not to be disturbed unless it's absolutely something pressing. Now, uh, this week, of course, we're, we've got the gradual uh, starting up again of schools. As, uh, as many parents have found, this, uh, this stuff about homeschooling while you're working from home just does not work. Uh, and that's been really, really difficult. And I think a lot of parents are gaining a lot more appreciation for teachers now after having tried to teach their own kids. Uh, but the, the kids at home need to understand the rules of the game too. If they are from home, there are certain times when mum or dad's at work. Uh, uh, but if you're saving an hour or two in the morning because you don't have to commute and an hour or two in the evening when you don't have to commute, there's a couple of extra hours that the home-based person can devote to uh, interacting with the kids or going for a walk in the park or helping with the schooling or whatever it might be. But one of the great challenges of working from home is how you get away from work. Mm. It's too easy sometimes to just say, oh, I just want to uh, 
run off an email and duck down the corridor and uh, log back in at uh, all kinds of uh, the night. And if people start to get used to that happening, it's very hard to shake that habit. So, uh, yeah, at uh, 5 p.m. or 5.30 p.m., whatever time you would normally finish work in your central workplace, you turn your computer off at home, walk out, close the door, and avoid the temptation to uh, come back a bit later on unless it's obviously uh, urgent. It's a very good insight. That's something that you don't think about in that context, and that's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah I know myself. Well, it's one of the major sources of stress. Everyone talks about stress at work, and uh, a lot of people are finding that there are different stressors now associated with working from home, uh, particularly if you've got kids to look after or maybe uh, uh, people with disabilities or aged parents. Uh, even elderly neighbours and so on uh, have been uh, left out of the, the loop. So there's uh, uh, factors to consider uh, with all of that. Uh, how you uh, maintain your physical and mental well-being. Uh, and uh, people are really starting to appreciate it. It's nice and sunny today, so we'll get out and go for a bit of a walk in the park. We're allowed to walk in the park. We've always been allowed to walk in the park, maintaining social distancing and so on. And hopefully that might continue, even if there's some return to uh, normality, whatever that might be. And it's, it's worthwhile thinking through what's going to happen when uh, the uh, isolation and quarantining requirements finish uh, and, and discuss the question whether people are going to return to a central workplace in the same way as they did before all this came along. It actually leads into um, the next question. So, um, so yeah, so just on that, so obviously everyone, like a lot of people are at home at the moment still, but um, what are some things uh, to think about when or, or if we do um, return to normality, as you said, and return to an office or workplace? Um, you know, what are some, have you had any discussions with businesses based on their employees coming back uh, yet or, or anything you can share based on that? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh it's a good point, Ross, because it's, uh, it's something that we're having now to really start to focus on. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, before all this came along, it was estimated the next year or so, next couple of years, up to 50% of people would be working full or part-time from home. Now, I think uh, COVID-19 has bumped that up to probably 95% at the moment. And my hunch is that uh, after this is all finished, we're going to uh, stay up around about, say, the 70% level and not 50%. Because uh, people working from home, once they get over the initial uh, challenges, have found that they actually can be quite productive and that there are lots of uh, advantages they, they, have, they are now finding. They're in their own space in their own time uh, instead of spending hours commuting, they uh, can use that for, for other purposes. And people are going to find that they can work just as effectively from home as going into a central workplace. Maybe even better, depending on what the, the personality type of the person is and uh, what the workplace is like. Employers, on the same token, are finding that despite their earlier misgivings, they're finding that uh, productivity has been maintained, that there's lots of things people can be doing from home, 
without having to come into the central workplace. So they're probably going to be far more relaxed about people working from home. You know, uh, on, on that point, oh, sorry, on that point, Dave, sorry to, to cut you off, is that, you know, one thing we experience is, is staff happiness, right? The, the eliminating the commute to work and getting up that extra bit earlier potentially and all those different things have, have gone away. They spend more time with their families because they have lunch at home, they have breakfast at home um, and those things where sometimes a lot of those things they have at work, right? And so I think uh, even from, apart from productivity, from a staff happiness perspective, I think that's really shone through into our, into our business and obviously through happiness comes a harder work, right? And productivity and all those different things and I think that's something that we've experienced as a business. Yeah, look, there's, there's there's a whole lot of factors tied up in this. Uh, uh, I mean, basically, human beings we're we're hardwired to work in groups. Since we were living in caves, uh, we've always uh, uh, worked had to work in groups and cooperate and communicate in groups. And a lot of the communication we still have as human beings is nonverbal. Uh, now, we can Zoom as much as we like, uh, such as we are at the moment. One of the things that we miss with uh, uh, these uh, remote uh, meetings and so on is we miss most of the verbal cues. Like at the moment, I, I can't see whether you're yawning or you're frowning <laughs> or you're shaking your head or uh, whatever it might be, right? particularly if you've got, <coughs> pardon me, 40, 40 faces on the screen at the moment. So... Uh, we're hardwired. We're, we're analog creatures, and here we are trying to survive in a virtual world. And there are some uh, unspoken challenges, just sort of that absence of face-to-face uh, -face communication, which is uh, difficult to achieve virtually. Uh, when we are thinking about returning to work, there's a couple of other elephants in the room that people really haven't thought about. One, how do you get in? to work now. Uh, are you going to get in the train or the bus uh, and cheek to jowl with a whole range of other people who may or may not be COVID positive? Uh, what happens to social isolation when you're using public transport? Of course, uh, some people are saying, oh, I won't use public transport, I'll drive myself in. Well, if we're going to have all the extra cars on the freeway, how long is that going to take us? And where are we going to park our cars when we get to our central uh, workplace. Uh, so how we get there is one issue. Uh, the subject of hot desking is becoming rather of interest to employers because they're starting to say, look, if we're going to have a percentage of our workforce working from home each day, then maybe we don't have to have 3,000 square metres of prime uh, central business district office. Uh, yep. Exactly. which we're renting at an enormous expense. Maybe we can reduce that and we would then say to our employees, you spend a couple of days a week working from home and you come into the central office a couple of weeks, a couple of days a week or something along these sort of lines. Okay, fine. Uh, do we provide desks for people when they come back into the central workplace or are we going to hot desk? Now, uh, hot desking has some major issues. Uh, it's estimated that uh, for something like 40% of uh, illnesses that people 
get, particularly in winter, from coming into the central office uh, because of uh, contamination of uh, work surfaces, from lift buttons to uh, telephones to desk surfaces, uh, computers, all this sort of thing. So if we're going to have hot desking, then there's a whole range of uh, issues that are going to arise about how we keep that clean, uh, particularly if we're going to be uh, sharing a desk with uh, other people we don't know, we don't know what their status is or anything like that. So, yep, uh, hot desking mm -hmm. is really problematic at the moment. But one of the things the real estate agents are concerned about is a, a potential drop in value of city accommodation and city buildings by 15, 20%, yeah. because people are going to be working from home more. Which, yeah, uh, it's, it, you make so many points that probably a lot of people don't think about, right? And um, it just gets me thinking. I know a lot of people that work in businesses that are hot seating and, you know, especially during the COVID time and whoever needs to be in the office, they have the social distancing where, you know, every second desk is getting used. But no one's thinking about, you know, the, the status of, uh, of the hot seating. So they're not, they haven't changed to, okay, that's... Dom's desk, or that's Ross's desk, and it stays that way for this whole period. And so, I think uh, you make a valid point there that a lot of people probably aren't factoring in. Is that hot seating is random people there? They, they could they could be doing anything and come from anywhere, and, and then that's a challenge to to control as well, right? Obviously, you use wipes and things like that, but um, it's a it's a really valid point, David. And it's something uh, something a lot of businesses need to think about. And yeah, I mean, some some companies, maybe even companies like Mate. Uh, provide meals and uh, catering and so yeah. on for employees. Uh, well, come on, what, what's going to happen about providing food? And yeah. if you get into a, a, a canteen area, uh, maintaining social separation, or are you going to put the food into boxes and have people eat at their workstations? And cleaning up after that's going to be a, a, yeah. <laughs> a well, nightmare. Well, one and, thing, and, one thing we do, David. Our um, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of our background is Italian, and our Italian auntie cooks for us every day in the office, or, <laughs> or she used to before COVID. And so when we get back to normal, that's a, that's something that we, that we've been talking about. How do we how do we do that ongoing? You know, so yeah. yeah. Uh, so look, now's the time to think it through. Not when people are coming there with what happens with hot desk or people coming back at the office, and a person is diagnosed as COVID positive. Yeah. Uh, therefore, they might go into hospital, certainly go into quarantine for 14 days, but so too would anybody in that area who may have uh, come into contact with them. So before we all start rushing back, and, and so we really need to think it through. And then you've got the uh, shared uh, office spaces, uh, particularly for the startups and the uh, the millennials and so on. They don't have a central office, but they'll go and uh, make use of uh, uh, the, the shared office spaces, uh, which offer different uh, programs, don't they? You can you can actually hire uh, your own office in okay, a, yeah. a serviced office environment, or you could uh, book meeting rooms. Or a lot of them are just hot desking. You pay a couple hundred dollars a month, and uh, you hot desk, and it, it's uh, not even the one employer it's uh, it's run awesome. by a company that's providing the the shared space so yep that's uh, uh there are some challenges which uh, people need to be thinking about and that's what we're well, that's what we're talking about now
Well, it, it's been great, David, and you know, we thank you for the information you provided. Um, where can we get more information? And you did mention that you have written a handbook, right, which I think everybody should get a copy of, especially in the business space. Uh, what's it called, David, and where can we buy it? <laughs> Just, I'm going to stand up for a moment because I've got sun streaming in. <laughs> and, uh, you can't see anything. It's called the Working From Home Safety Handbook, an employee guide to working safely from home. Now, it's not available in the shops. Uh, you go to www.worksafetyathome.com or .com.au. So all one word, worksafetyathome.com.au, and uh, you'll see uh, reviews there, little videos, and... Um, how to purchase it and all that sort of stuff. Great. And to our listeners, we'll add At this. At the same time, if it was of interest to you guys, happy to send that to you as a PDF. That, that'll, so, be, that'll be great, David, because what we'll do, we'll add it to our, our show notes uh, on our podcast pages on Spotify and iTunes and on our website as well. Um, and what we'll do um, to, our, to our listeners, what we'll do, we'll put the, the website www.worksafetyathome.com.au where you can get a copy of David's books as well um, and you can go there and click on our website to get a copy of that. Well, David, I think it's... Uh, any last words from you? I think uh, we've gone um, over time, but that's fine, which is all, <laughs> all good conversation. And I love talking to people that are passionate about their profession. And that's something that we're very passionate about it, mate. We're passionate about doing what we do. And we love speaking to our mates that are passionate about what they do. So uh, any last words, Dave, from yourself? Uh, you've heard the expression before, but what we're going through at the moment is unprecedented. Uh but whatever, we're not going back to where we were. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people are really facing challenges to cope with the situations at the moment. Right. So uh, what I would, in terms of that safely thing, uh, the A would be to accept the reality of what's happening at the moment. There, there's nothing any of us can do about it. We're, we're stuck. So we need to adapt. And we need to appreciate uh, the positives, such as uh, less commuting and more, more family time, etc. But in terms of trying to cope with our current requirements, let's not be too hard on ourselves. I mean, this really is uh, challenging, particularly for old uh, analogue human beings, uh, uh, particularly going into Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. I mean, there is a, a phenomenon now called uh, Zoom fatigue. <laughs> and uh, we've written a blog on that too. But the worst thing you can do, well, two things if you're going into Zoom meetings. One, do not have back-to-back -back Zoom meetings. Uh, have, have a break of at least half an hour in between them. And two, during a normal Zoom meeting, turn your own camera off. Because when we're in a meeting situation, we can't look at ourselves. What we're doing is looking at other people. Yeah. Yet what we're finding with Zoom meetings, and you've got your camera on, you spend a lot of time looking at yourself. <laughs> That's and, true. And your brain's just not not uh, used to that happening. Some people are very pleased with what they see. Other people <laughs> not so pleased. But then you look at your expression, you oh, scratch my nose, that doesn't look too good. Uh, what's behind me, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, so turn your own camera off. You can have the audio on. You can hear everything that's going on. You can see everybody else. Uh, it's just you can't see yourself. 
right, awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, David. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we've loved having you on, and uh, we would love to have you on in the future for other segments as well. And we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, I'm sure our viewers, or our listeners, I should say, I keep saying viewers, but listeners, would love to, uh, to I'm sure, hear more from you in the future. And so, look, thank you very much for joining us, uh, um, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely speak to you soon. It's nice to have mates, so uh, be delighted to help out, particularly, say, in two or three weeks' time when a lot of the uh, isolation requirements have been lifted and we're getting back to what be might become the new normal. might be a good time just to touch base with how it's all going. Oh, awesome. Thanks, David. Awesome. Thanks, okay, guys. Take right. care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Let's Be Mates podcast by the team at Mate. Search for the Let's Be Mates podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube and at letsbemates.com.au. Hit subscribe to get the latest episode each week. For all your telco needs, choose a provider you can trust like a mate. Visit letsbemates.com.au, Google Mate or call us on 13 14 13 to sign up today. See you soon, mate.